Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to another episode of the Thinking Muslim podcast. This is your host Muhammad Jalal. Today we're going to look at Islam's perspective on wealth with my guest Hassan Al-Hassan. Before I introduce him, I wanted to thank all of those who have been in touch and subscribed to this podcast. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you for your goodness and your advice. I'm really humbled and reassured by some of your messages and I've really valued the feedback I've received. And inshallah, I make dua for all of you. We are, of course, going to keep connected with the themes we have looked at over the past three weeks and inshallah, from time to time, return to them as and when they develop. If you like the programme, please remember to subscribe using your preferred podcast app and share this programme with others. This week, we're going to look at Islam's perspective on wealth. I think this is a very important topic and in many ways how we view wealth and its accumulation has an impact on how we think, our likes and our dislikes and how we engage with the world around us. It is accepted that religious people shun wealth. The meek will inherit the earth is the famous biblical passage. Many Muslims also have an uneasy relationship with wealth. It is often associated with fahisha, transgressions and takabbur, arrogance, and too much wealth leads to extravagance and worse, hasad, jealousy. We know money makes the world go round, but it also corrupts it. Just look at the Arab monarchs and dictators and how they accumulate vast amounts of wealth at the expense of their people. The net worth of the Saudi royal family currently sits at around 1.5 trillion US dollars, making them the wealthiest family in the world. Their corruption is pretty clear for anyone that has any conscience and they use this wealth in a grossly inappropriate way. Or just consider the subversion of politics in the liberal democratic West and how the wealthy supply the Republican and Democrats, Labour and Conservative parties with campaign donations in return for favourable policies. We also hear money is the route to all happiness. But many of the world's rich live miserable lives, despite their Instagram profiles. A Boston College research study from 2011 looked into the lives of the super-rich, those with accumulated personal wealth of over $25 million, and found that they were full of anxieties, lost in a world of work, unable to form lasting human relationships, and producing children unable and unwilling to work or to contribute. Graham Wood in the Atlantic magazine summed the study up by saying, But the truly wealthy know that appetites for material indulgence are really sated. No yacht is so super, nor any wine so expensive that it can soothe the soul or guarantee one's children won't grow up to be creeps. When the rich man takes his last sip of Chateau de Quem, 1959, he tips back the wine glass to find at its bottom an unforeseen melancholy. And I'm pretty sure I mispronounced Chateau de Quem there. So how does Islam view wealth and how does it view extravagance? Does Islam promise damnation for the rich and salvation for the poor? How should we view the sense of comfort that accompanies wealth and what some may see as religious principles of struggle and hardship? Is our spiritual connection with Allah compromised when we focus on our material needs and our desires? To answer these questions this week, I have invited Hassan al-Hassan to join us. 
Hassan is a university lecturer based in London, originally from Lebanon. I have known Hassan for many years and I've always sought his advice to untangle my own thinking and to shine a light on a topic. Rabbi Hassan al-Hassan, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Brother Hassan, uh, let me start by asking you the question. Um, what really makes us happy? Uh, is it to fulfill our spiritual desires, uh, our spiritual requirements, or does happiness come from uh, fulfilling our material requirements? Firstly, Jazakallah khair for this invitation and uh, to get me involved with this uh, very important uh, topic uh, and it is uh, vital to have uh, a clear uh, convictions and the views about it to have a sort of a stability life uh, i think firstly that uh, the the question is what makes us happy in this life so People who are looking for uh, a spiritual uh, cover of their uh, needs or they are looking for materialistic cover of their needs. Uh, simply they are doing that because this is a human requirement. Um, and without uh, making sure that they uh, fulfill this requirement and cover this need they will feel unhappy and they uh, will live in confusion and they will keep uh, have something uh, wrong in their uh, uh, mentality in their personality and in their psychology Okay, that's that's really interesting. So effectively, you're arguing um, happiness comes from a mixture of uh, meeting your spiritual and your material requirements. Um, however, um, it, it seems to me you're you're suggesting that both the spiritual and material requirements are equal, but but surely uh, one would feel much more happier uh, if one worshipped Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and focused more on that relationship with God. Uh, than, I suppose, focusing on uh, the accumulation of wealth. Um, I mean, is it is it right to say that a Muslim should um, should work, of course, but that work is is secondary to uh, to worship, to uh, uh, drawing closer to their Creator, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and making that relationship stronger. Um, how do you see this? Uh, according to the human nature. Uh, uh, they people have their uh, mentality that uh, enable them to think about things and people have uh, their instincts which can be spiritual instincts or materialistic instincts so their spiritual instincts that uh, motivate them to know their way to God to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and without feeling that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is pleased uh, on them, they will feel that they have uh, a serious issue because uh, everything they think about in this life and everything they would do in this life 
is going to be related uh, to the hereafter as well and uh, to their relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they will have two issues here. Uh, the first one is that naturally they will not feel happy because, the, because there is something missing there, uh, something that is not uh, uh, satisfied. And uh, they will think that uh, in the hereafter they, will, they uh, might get punished or not rewarded. So this is number one. Uh, number two is um, uh, that as a human being as well, um, without uh, a wealth, uh, you can't live. Um, we are not, I mean, now uh, you, you, you can't survive. Uh, you need uh, to be strong. You need to be um, able uh, to feed yourself, uh, to support your family, uh, to live in a comfortable way, in secure way. And all of these uh, kind of things are mat materialistic uh, uh, issues. And now, uh, let me say the Islamic view about all of this. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in Al-Quran Al-Kareem says, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا مِنْهُ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to this uh, verse, has made uh, the universe, including the heavens and the earth, uh, uh, have, He has created the, all of this for you to utilize it, to use it. So this is a grant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is a grant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to use it, not to neglect it. To use it, not to ignore it. To use it, not to leave it. And in uh, uh, another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمَا وَحَمَلْنَاهُمْ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ وَرَزَقْنَاهُمْ مِنَ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَفَضَّلْنَاهُمْ عَلَى كَثِيرٍ مِمَّنْ خَلَقْنَا تَفْضِيلًا so according to this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated that he has certainly uh, honored uh, the human being, um, the son uh, and the children of Adam, alayhi salam, and carried them uh, on the land uh, and uh, on the sea and provided uh, them with all good things um, uh, with the good rizq, uh, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them like sort of unique uh, creations in, the, in this world. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has, given, has given you all of this, again, to enjoy it, to use it, to utilize it. So you can see Islam, Islam view here is it clear that you are not in this world uh, to get hungry. Uh, to, to strive uh, to live uh, onto basic uh, level. Uh, Islam has made it clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this uh, universe and to, for you to utilize it, to use it to uh, live uh, in this dunya. Uh, in the other ayah, in the third ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make it clear as well uh, by saying, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you have always to think that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted you in this dunya, in this world, that you have to seek his pleasure and to think about uh, that he's going to account you on how you use it and utilize it in the hereafter day. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasized on that, in that ayah uh, uh, on don't neglect uh, your portion uh, your needs uh, in the present life so you have so it is a comprehensive ideology that uh, make you think about life as just part of the real life uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you this life and this universe and has shown you the path to him by following his messengers and asked you to make sure that you fulfill your uh, needs and requirements. Uh, according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, regulations which uh, suits the human nature and made a direct link to him and to the hereafter day. So, so what would you say to a person who decided that, um, okay, great, so he is, um, he is, uh, uh, his life is is to worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and uh, part of that worship, of course, is to strengthen his relationship with God. But another part of that worship uh, is to uh, is to gain a portion of this world according to al halal wal haram, right? According to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants of him. So what would you say to a Muslim then who decided after that uh, that he wanted to become a millionaire uh, or a billionaire even and uh, his aim in life was to accumulate vast amounts uh, of wealth? Well, uh, we know that uh, in Islam says clearly that al-mu'min uh, al-qawi uh, خَيْرٌ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِ الضَّعِيفِ So the stronger mu'min uh, uh, is better than uh, the weak mu'min. And uh, uh, this is according to hadith of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In another hadith, uh, he says, الْيَدِ الْعُلْيَا خَيْرٌ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنَ الْيَدِ السُّفْلَى so the one who has uh, earned um, money and he has good money and give it to others and spend it on others in a good way, of course, he is better than the one who takes that money and he is closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the one who takes that money. Uh, now, we need to think here about uh, when I'm talking about uh, you are going... You, according to Islam, uh, that you are allowed to enjoy life, you are allowed to utilize the things around you uh, in, in the right way. Um, there is no uh, harm in that at all. Uh, it is allowed to live a comfortable life. All of that is absolutely allowed. Of course, you if you seek all of that in the halal way. So uh, there are some rules there. Uh, there are something called halal and haram uh, 
wrong uh, and good uh, scale and you need to follow it and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the messengers uh, to us to show us uh, that these criteria and these regulations so we need to follow them so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in Al-Quran Al-Kareem وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ So whatever the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, delivered to you, you need to take it. So what, how he showed us, how he guided us, uh, and, and so on, so we need to follow that one. Now, saying that, uh, uh, that is not going to, let us say, uh, sort out the problem you raised from the beginning, uh, which is about, okay, but uh, we still have uh, spiritual uh, needs and spiritual instinct, and we need to satisfy this. Uh, and then how, we how can we do that? Yeah, we can, comment, we can comment on that one, absolutely. Uh, but uh, the only thing I want to uh, make sure here that in Islam, there is no contradiction between uh, satisfying your spiritual needs and satisfying your materialistic needs. Unless you uh, satisfy your materialistic needs in the wrong way, in the haram way. That is the whole point. So, so just to understand this, um, if a, uh, a Muslim obeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and pursued wealth through halal means um, and uh, he obeyed the restrictions laid down by Sharia, uh, would he be engaged in, uh, uh, in spiritual activity? Um, okay, so uh, in terms of yes and no, I can say yes. But uh, then people will ask how come? Yeah, I think that is a, a natural question here. So let us talk about, uh, let us move a bit here about uh, spirituality and um, uh, the spiritual instinct and so on. So a human being will always, even when they are uh, wealthy, uh, they will always feel uh, in need for God. They will always uh, feel weak. They will uh, get sick, they, will, they might get uh, some accidents uh, and some bad events in their lives, they will get sad, uh, regardless of you are uh, a king, a queen, uh, or uh, a head of an army, uh, very rich, very poor, uh, a master or a slave, this is something natural in this life. And you will always feel regardless of how wealthy you are, that you are in need for God. You are in need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will be motivated to seek Allah pleasure because you will feel that the only thing that will make you uh, gain confidence again and getting uh, powerful again is not by getting money because you already have money, not by getting a strong position in society because you might already have that strong position in society, but by getting closer to God, by getting closer to Allah. Now, how are you going to get closer to Allah? Now, this is here what we probably want to uh, note down, that this is the spiritual instinct. 
getting closer to Allah. Now, uh, there is uh, uh, there are some philosophies available there in this world that says, for example, in order to get closer to Allah and feel this uh, this closeness, you need to starve yourself. You need to weaken your body. Um, you need uh, then you will start feeling that uh, you are uh, close to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Some other says. Because what happens here, according to their way of thinking, they say, okay, uh, we have the soul, which is the spirit granted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the human being. And without this, with, without this soul, you are not going to be living or existing in this world. Um, and this soul is not something that is materialistic. And this soul is, exists there. So the way to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to weaken the body, weaken the materialistic aspect of the humanity, of the human being, and then get more attached uh, to the soul. Now, uh, this is uh, a critical issue here. Firstly, what is a soul? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, stated in the Quran Kareem, they are asking you about the soul uh, but you Muhammad وسلم, you need to tell them that this is not my affair this is the affair of Allah so it is the secret Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted uh, this human to exist in this life so we don't know what is a soul we don't know about this secret all what we know that without this soul a human being will not be able to live but we know as a matter of fact as well that uh, uh, this soul exists in the human being uh, who is a Muslim and who is non-Muslim. And uh, even more, it exists as well in the animals. So without a soul, an animal will not be able to live. So uh, the, the only thing we know about the soul that it exists and losing the soul, that means we are going to lose our lives. So, uh, trying to uh, go in the uh, unknown and trying to deal with unknown thing, uh, this is uh, uh, not the right way. You can't deal with unknown. You never, you will never be able to treat uh, a sick person or a patient if they, if you don't know their sickness if you don't analyze their problem if you don't investigate what's happening with them you can't give them the right treatment here you will never be able to know what is the soul why because simply allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it its own secret then uh, how are we going to deal with the spiritual instinct since we don't know the soul simply by following what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to do to get his pleasure because all what you want to do is to get closer to Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you what to do in order to get closer to him so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran al-Kareem if you really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so so follow the Prophet of Allah, the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
And this is the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, will love you. Can you see? It is clear. So we have a messenger who will guide us and tell us what is right, what is wrong, and we need to follow him. When, when, when we uh, often read about uh, the life of the Prophet alayhi um, there is a, um, an emphasis which um, uh, we, we gather from his life that um, he very much um, uh, did not acquire material wealth and um, there are narrations about um, the Prophet والسلام, being at a, at a point where he went hungry and he had to uh, wrap rocks around his stomach uh, in order to uh, uh, in order to feel like uh, he's he has been fulfilled. And there are there is evidence uh, that suggests that the Prophet Sallallahu home was very simple, and um, really was without uh, the the mods and cons that we we would expect from uh, from living. And many of the early Sahaba, Ridwanallahi. Uh, uh, were um, were impoverished and they gave up their wealth and um, their um, uh, their situation was such that Musa ibn Umar when he uh, passed away when he died after the Battle of Uhud uh, he did not have enough cloth to uh, to cover himself and so maybe we gather from these or we can gather from these evidences that there was a a calling in early Muslim society to uh, to give up the um, uh, the material in exchange for um, uh, the hereafter. Uh, how would you view these uh, these evidences and this explanation? Yes. So, um, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam has never has never seek to be poor man. Uh, so poverty was never an objective in Islam. Now, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam has uh, been uh, on has been hungry and suffered from hunger uh, because there was a sanction against him and uh, his uh, family and uh, uh, the, his followers as well. So. It was not because he would like to be hungry, to starve. Nobody said that. And uh, uh, it was, uh, I mean, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his companions, uh, some of them were traders. Uh, so they, they, they are business owners. Uh, some of them uh, have been wealthy, uh, and and so on. Some of them were poor, not because again it was an objective, but because they were not able to to make it. Now here is the, uh, a very important point. Now uh, becoming wealthy that does not mean uh, you misuse your wealth. That does not mean uh, you. Uh, forget the poor people. You uh, don't commit yourself to the right deeds again. So we have to uh, make clear distinction between these two things. Now, uh, when the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, says, for example, لا حسد إلا في 
So you need to appraise uh, these two people, yeah? Uh, two people really should be appraised and appreciated, according to the hadith. رَجُلٌ أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ عِلْمًا فَهُوَ يُعَلِّمُهُ لِلنَّاسِ A man who gained knowledge and became like a, a scholar and he teaches uh, people so they make he makes them learn uh, in this life and رَجُلٌ أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا and a man who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him the rizq and became wealthy and and he's spending this money uh, in the right path uh, and for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleasure and sake uh, so we have here a stability uh, look for example in the Islamic society we don't have uh, a taxation system uh, simply because uh, as a Muslim community, the wealthy people should be should show responsibility, and they should uh, pay zakat. Of course, this is part of the way to deal with uh, poor people. So the wealthy people is responsible. There is an obligation uh, amongst them. They need to do it. It is not an option. So uh, they have to support people to help people. Uh, and so on. Um, now, this is not. This is one thing. But the other thing here, we have something called prioritization. Now, seeking uh, uh, wealth and and becoming a wealthy man, that sometimes might uh, contradict with doing other important things in life. So. Uh, so try to imagine here, we have as uh, Muslims, many responsibilities, many obligations. Uh, one of them uh, carrying the da'wah, um, uh, clarifying the uh, issues about Islam, making sure Islam is implemented in this life according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, deen, and so on. Now, if uh, making wealth is going to deviate me from uh, my other commitments, uh, which are more, uh, which should be prioritized according to Islam itself, then that is going to be problematic. So becoming wealthy in itself is not a problem. You should do that, yeah, if you can do that. But you can't prioritize that, that one uh, and leave the other commitments, yeah? but. So, so you, you have to be a balanced person. You have, you have to make sure that you understand your uh, responsibilities and your role and what you can do and, and fulfill all of that. What about um, extravagance? Um, so I, I was at uh, the uh, Salatul Jummah and uh, the Khatib, the Imam, was uh, talking about the extravagance now that's associated with Hajj. Uh, some people pay in excess of fifteen thousand pounds to uh, to visit the Hajj, and uh, while they're uh, ostensibly there to worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, they um, uh, also live in the lap of luxury, and and they have, you know, uh, all of the um, uh, the available means to make it uh, a very easy process, if not 
a process where um, uh, they um, uh, eat a lot and uh, they enjoy themselves. Now, is there a problem with with such extravagance? Okay, so firstly, let me make it clear here. I'm not in a position to make fatwa. Even when I sometimes uh, narrate a hadith, I may commit a mistake or so because I'm just trying to extract that from my memory. Uh, uh, and we are trying to talk uh, and discuss these issues. Uh, the most important thing, I think, in this discussion is uh, to clarify uh, these critical concepts uh, more than just getting to, into a specific example and, and drawing that one. Uh, nevertheless, I would like to comment on this and uh, give a sort of a generic uh, answer, yeah? Saying, now, uh, getting suffered, uh, is that part of the Hajj? Getting uh, hardship, is that part of the Hajj? Uh, do you need really uh, to struggle uh, to uh, make sure that the Hajj is complete? So you need to, to uh, this is exactly probably the point here, that you don't need to leave things to your own uh, imagination. You need to see here if uh, Islam uh, via the message of Islam, which carried to us via his via the Prophet Muhammad is saying that yes, you need to suffer, you need to feel tired, you need to do all of this, then that's fine. That is acceptable. And that will answer your question. If not, then you can't enforce things and uh, and put something from or innovate things from your own mind just to feel better yeah so it is not about like feeling better it is not about emotional things because even the emotions and feelings uh, differ from one person to another uh, so here the issue is simply uh, you look to what islam said about that uh, specific affair and handle it so look, for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked us to fast in Ramadan. Uh, but there are some exceptions. So those who are going to suffer, those who are going to travel, those who are going to get sick, uh, even a pregnant woman, and so on, they are all allowed to uh, break their fasting, isn't it? So suffering in itself is not an objective, destroying the human body. Is not an objective yeah uh, and you need to be at the end of the day clear about what is right and what is wrong according to the Islamic regulations I'm not here in a position to say that specific deed is allowed or that specific deed is not allowed I'm here about making sure that that concept is clear in our minds okay let, let me um, summarize where we are so far um, so you've said that um, uh, Islam uh, uh, as a way of life gave us uh, a, uh, a a Sharia, a, uh, a, a way to achieve our happiness through uh, both uh, uh, aiming to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in the way he asks us to worship him. But when it comes to taking the portion of our world, when it comes to material uh, needs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has laid down a, 
uh, a rule book and if we follow that uh, there is no uh, no problem with us uh, pursuing wealth as long as we we pursue it in with the right mind with the right attitude okay so let, let's move on and, and let's talk about then um, uh, how we use how we use this wealth now we live in a consumer society and um, uh, we live in a liberal economic or a capitalist uh, economy and uh, I suppose we uh, engage with this economy on a day-to-day -day basis through the lens of consumerism. And so um, uh, the uh, country is measured, the metric by which a country's progress is measured is through GDP. And uh, individual progress is often measured through the acquisition of lots and lots of products and services. And so consumerism is, uh, is I suppose, a, a dominant theme of our lives. Now, um, would, uh, to understand this, all of what you've said so far, uh, would that preclude uh, that an Islamic society built upon these uh, 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 concepts you've, you, you've laid out, would such a society then be a consumerist society, which... Um, spends and purchases um, uh, for um, uh, for um, uh, for uh, not only for um, uh, a basic standard of living but 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 beyond that as well um, as we see not only in the west but you just have to go and visit uh, Dubai or uh, or any of uh, the Arab countries and you would see a very similar theme no this is totally different two things so uh consumerism and capitalism and the way they look at a human being and the wealth and so on is totally different from the Islamic perspective and from the Islamic ideology and convictions. So here we are talking about a society that look at a human being as a thing, as a materialistic entity and looks at the materialistic aspects of a human being. Whereas Islam looks at a human being uh, from all aspects. Uh, so it does not neglect the materialistic aspects. At the same time, it, it try to make sure that fulfill your uh, spiritual uh, aspects as well. Uh, and we know that in the capitalistic world, um, we know as a matter of fact, even people who... Uh, consume a lot and um, uh, and enjoy the materialistic aspects, they, they are not necessarily living happily, living in a tranquility environment. Um, many incidents show that they commit suicides and because simply they are trying to focus on one part of the human being and neglect the other part. This is number one. Number two, even when they uh, fulfilling their materialistic uh, needs. Uh, in many cases, they do it in the wrong way. So, uh, Islam, even when we uh, cover the, our, our, need, our materialistic needs, we need to do it according to Islam because that will combine uh, the both Allah acceptance, Allah pleasure, and your pleasure. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not stop you from fulfilling your materialistic aspects or needs, but according to the way he showed us, because he is the one 
who knows what we need in the way we really correctly uh, please it and fulfill it in the right way. So this is, this is a critical issue here. So becoming a wealthy man, that does not mean you go and live as a non-Muslim um, uh, do in, in, in their lives. Uh, Islam is a way of life. Islam is a way of thinking. Islam is an ideology. So you can't uh, integrate it with uh, consumerism and capitalism and make that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed people to become wealthy and uh, to enjoy uh, life and uh, uh, to fulfill their materialistic needs, that means now they become capitalists or they, they become, uh, or Islam is a capitalistic uh, system. This is not true at all. And that's what is unique about Islam because Islam uh, as a religion uh, is relating a man or a human being to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to the hereafter day and make sure uh, design the right path to Allah uh, so he as a human being the human being feels uh, in peace and close to Allah at the same time he does not neglect uh, as a human being his portion from this world so it, it is very stable view it is very clear view it is very strong and working views Brother Hassan Al Hassan, I think that's a really uh, uh, a great way to end uh, the the topic, and uh, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala reward you for your time today, and Jazakallah uh, Khair, and uh, Inshallah Taala, I pray uh, that uh, you um, uh, you come back really and and discuss uh, some more issues with us sometime very soon. Uh, but until then, Inshallah, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. I hope to speak to you soon, inshallah, again. Ma'as-salama. Khair, inshallah. I think that's uh, that's it really for today. Um, all I have to say is uh, please do uh, subscribe using your um, favorite podcast app. And uh, if you like the show, it would be great if you share the show uh, with others. Uh, until next week, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.